The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is Will Business and IT Agility Eat Strategy for Breakfast? And our guests for today's show are Dr. Vince Kellen, who is the Chief Information Officer with the University of Kentucky. Good morning, Vince. How are you? Very good. Very good. Glad to be here. Great. Honored to have you. So, life treating you good? Uh, yeah, good. And busy is good. So, um, uh, so very good. Very nice. So, taking uh, your two weeks vacation yet? Uh, well, we we sprinkled some time off uh, throughout the year, and we took a little bit of time this summer, took some in the spring, and we'll take a little bit in the fall. So I don't quite get a full two weeks, but we sprinkle out uh, uh, portions of a week during th- throughout the year. Great. And we have also Jerry Johnson, who is the Chief Information Officer and Director of Information Technology Services at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning. I'm uh, I'm great. I'm awake here at uh, 7 a.m. on the Pacific uh, Coast. So you got your pot or coffee? How many do you take? Uh, uh, about two pots. <laughs> two pots. Okay, so you're all wired then. All I'm right, good, guys. It. So uh, the topic that we've picked up today, I mean, this is something which we talk every day, where we have a dizzying pace at which we are moving. And also at the same time, we are talking about strategies. So somehow it looks like a, a predicament or a catch-22 for at least some out there, and that was the inspiration for us to put this topic together. So, Vince, let's start with you. Question would be fundamentally, do you think we really, moving at 100 miles an hour, have the time to even think strategy or think strategically? Oh, I, I think you absolutely do. In fact, I think the pressure is to think strategically even more. Despite the fact that things are moving quick, certain things in the industry at large uh, don't occur, you know, at, at extremely rapid rates. And you can monitor and watch these movements over time, and you can kind of predict not all of them, but some of them, or at least where they're going to go. So I actually think if you want to move faster, you have to know your strategy a little better. Now, it does shrink some of the time horizons down, so rather than trying to think out two years or three years, we may think two to three years kind of in, in, in a thin, conceptual way, but we're going to think very detailed over a six-month period what we want to accomplish. Um, but I do think, as a CIO, I spend a fair bit of time analyzing industry trends, companies, what's going, what's moving. I watch company R&D dollars and how the large companies are moving their R&D dollars around. Those don't move within months. I mean, those timelines are still one, two-year timelines. So... Uh, I think one has to be strategic despite the speed. You just do strategy a little differently. 
Now, with that said, Jerry, what Vince mentioned is that we have to think strategically. Do you think what, in a way, we have to do is to look at our capability and see how best we can match that capability to the oncoming demands, which come in all different shapes, sizes, and flavors? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I want to kind of reflect back on what uh, what Vince said. Um, for, first of all, I don't think strategy is a, is a option. It's a CIO mandate. It's part of our our job description. And both other C level executives and those further down the IT chain are looking to us uh, to provide that longer term direction. Um, I also think that thinking strategic um, doesn't need to be a 100% continuous activity. It can be a little bit episodic. So there's a there's a model that I use when I describe uh, how we do strategy versus enterprise architecture versus portfolio management. And the model basically says the strategy is going to change, um, you know, five to fifteen percent per year. The architecture, which is which encompasses a, a roadmap of what we're doing over a longer period of time, is going to change twenty to thirty percent. And the portfolio, those things that we're doing this year or in the next six months, is going to is going to change pretty dramatically, sixty to ninety percent. Um, and that if you change your strategy much more than that, you're going to create a lot of harmonic tremors down throughout the organization, and that can have some potentially disastrous uh, results. I keep on thinking of that picture of the, the, the Comaneros Bridge galloping Gertie falling, falling down from the, from the tremors. But that strategy has to include uh, looking at what the capabilities, uh, both for the business and in IT itself, are going to need to be in the future in order to respond to the changing uh, business and, and market needs. Now, those are excellent points. I would just add on one thing. Uh, while IT can change uh, how the organization adopts IT, reconstructs business process, organizational structure and design, which are all critical elements to strategic maneuvers, that also has a certain pace and speed uh, that can't go too fast either. Uh, and, and the last thing I'd say is uh, when things move fast from a technology standpoint, that's when you start to think, what should we skip? What should we opt out of or what should we, what generation of technology will decide to leap over and, and skip a generation? And I think those become very strategic decisions for the CIO. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Vince, but I, but I also want to point out that architecture is not just an IT element. It's, a, it's an element that starts out with understanding the, the business mission or business objectives, understanding the processes that need to be implemented and changed for that, understanding how people and the organization play into that, and then, and then last of all, the technology that, that, uh, that supports all of that. So our, when I talk about strategy and architecture, it begins with the process and the people before it gets down to the technology. And I agree, you, you, you have to look at what you're going to skip and not react to every trend in the technology that occurs. Now, in both cases, both of your answers are very relevant. At the same time, I'm thinking that suppose you were to sit in a, you know, behind a closed doors and you've got a whiteboard in front of you. If you have to really start drawing a strategic roadmap, that has to be supported with data. Some is empirical data, other is predictive. So empirical is, of course, what we have used in the past, but those trends are changing fundamentally, or we have seen such a radical shift that those are no longer relevant in some cases. It cannot be a gut-based, and if you're going to do anything predictive, you got to literally be a clairvoyant for you to know what's going to happen in the future. But if you don't have that future data, what kind of strategy are you going to pull off, Vince? 
Well, in fact, we're we're discussing this right now here at the university. We're focusing on student retention, and student retention is a key strategy for us. We need to get our students successful and out the door. But the techniques for doing so are many, and it's unknown which techniques are going to be successful. So I'm actually trying to change the organization to go to a fast-fail mode, meaning do a small provisional uh, attempt at something, monitor, measure, collect data, see how it works, modify it, call it, or uh, start thinking what the next approach is going to be. So you're right. I think when you need to use data uh, to make decisions and you're not quite certain exactly how this is going to unfold, you've got to move to a fast-fail mode. Most organizations have a hard time with that. Uh, they don't like to see failure. But when it comes to uh, agility and understanding your environment, you have to absorb information quickly, uh, and you have to conduct the next maneuver quickly. And so you have to absorb a certain amount of failure. In fact, you have to kind of rejoice it and rejoice it and celebrate it and say, what did we learn? Uh, so we're actually trying to do that right now in the area of student retention because we are not going to, you know, we've gotten pretty far in improving our retention, but the techniques we need to use to go to the next level are different than the techniques that got us to the first level. So, Jerry, do you think the fail fast, fail quick type of a mantra would be relevant when you are looking at only IT, or is it also up to the business level? Is business ready to fail fast, or is it just saying, I want to achieve my goal, you do what you have to do under the hood as IT. You may want to fail 20 times. I don't really care, but you show me the results. What is it well, that the business is looking for? Yeah, so, so the, for starters, I hate the whole fast fail uh, or fail small, fail quick. Um, I, 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 prefer, I, I prefer to look at it from a succeed small, succeed quick. And, and I know it's a semantic difference but it makes a world of difference to the way people think about these things. So for, for a long time, we've uh, modulized our, our projects to demonstrate concepts and provide that benefit sooner rather than later. So a, a big bang rollout of an ERP, for example, would never happen on, uh, under my watch here. We're, we're going to roll out functionality incrementally, and we're going to roll it out um, enough of it in time to be visible and beneficial to the business, but not so much that we have unacceptable risk. Yeah, and, and we will fail from time to time, and naturally, because we're trying to succeed uh, small and succeed quick, when we do fail, we are going to fail small, and we are going to fail quick. Uh, we, we also have a culture of lessons learned uh, in the business here, and that's, and that's not just on the IT side. It's in the entire business. When things go wrong, uh, we will always have a lessons learned session after that. We will do causal analysis, understand what went wrong, and learn from that, and try to be um, try to imp uh, improve from that. So that, that's that's just a culture that's inherent in our in our entire organization, and partly because of the kind of innovation uh, organization that we are. Uh, researchers expect that not every project that they're going to work on is going to succeed. Every experiment is going to succeed. Uh, Einstein had the uh, the um, the, the saying that he learned a lot more from failure than he did from his successes. So, Vince, when you look at uh, any of the organization's uh, directives, so are they really thinking that they would have an earth-shattering innovation by whatever tactic that they use, or they're thinking about incremental, or is it just like, a, uh, you know, let me try a bunch of things, see, you know, throw, throw spaghetti on the wall, see what sticks, and um, that's, how, uh, that's how you would go forward. No, I mean, for 
obviously each organization has objectives, goals, and strategies that they're trying to address, and we do too. A top goal for us is we have got to improve our, our retention rate. We've got to get more students successful in college. Uh, but there's an organizational learning component of this for which it's not certain exactly what we need to do next. We've tried a bunch of things. Some have been successful. Some have not. And where you're going to go next is kind of interesting. Uh, if you think about it, we have 4,400 incoming freshmen. Forty-four students retained in any year is one percentage point of retention. If we do that ten more times, that's ten percentage points of retention, which puts us in a whole other league of competition in terms of universities. So when you think about it in those small numbers, you now have to think in a more elaborate, uh, more complex strategy execution. And so, no, it isn't just trying anything to see what sticks to the wall. It's going with some theory and some insights that you've gained, but also going with some new ideas that perhaps aren't as tested. And rather than waiting a two, one or two years for people to collect hard data or get further proof, just jump in, collect data, learn, and then adjust. And so I think it's a combination of going with what you know already empirically to be true and any theory that you have to guide you. Uh, and then if not, jump in, collect data, and start to build uh, your own uh, thought process on, on how this strategy is going to work. Jerry, would you think that individual's intelligence is not as good as collective intelligence? And if that's sad, if that is a true statement, then instead of drawing your strategic roadmaps behind closed doors in the Oval Office, why would you not do that in a town hall meeting where you do not know any better than the person who is in the trenches? And perhaps they would know more what works, what doesn't. But right. does that happen in a strategic planning mode? Uh, it, it certainly happens here. Uh, strategy is not something I do in my office by myself. Strategy is something that we do um, collaboratively. And, and, in fact, I have in the past done um, multi-day town hall type uh, strategy planning sessions. Um, I've actually gotten more into a mode now of uh, engaging leadership from, from the business itself to lead elements of the strategy. So, for example, when we, uh, when we wanted to step back and rethink the way that we support research collaboration, rather than me take one of the IT staff or myself, lead the, the group to understand what researchers' needs are and what their desires are in collaboration, I actually hired in a researcher to lead that activity. Uh, it lent more credibility. It, uh, it brought in both the researchers' perspectives as well as IT's perspective in it, uh, and was, and was wildly successful. Uh, we ended up with a much better approach to, to how we can improve, uh, the researchers' lives, lives in collaboration, and they were happy believing that they had a very significant say in it. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And Vince, when we come back, we'd like to know uh, what is the collective mindset of an organization? Maybe we'll take yours and then let's look at uh, you know, organizations in general. How many people as a percentage are truly the ones who want to, to basically stretch themselves every day and say we're going to go out and fail fast and fail quick and give 100% immunity as a culture? And that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the way you basically move forward. So what, what is the current trend today? What is the current landscape today when, it is, what, when we are trying to basically uh, have the IT agility delivered through this innovation? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit HP.com for answers. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Vince, we were, I just wanted to put this uh, on the table. So, we talk about all the jazzy stuff that we will innovate, we will fail fast, fail quick. But there are a lot of people out there who say the culture doesn't support it. The execution is, the, the devil is in the execution because the environment is not like that. So, are these guys just tired warriors or is it truly the case? And, and maybe you should find yourself lucky that you have an ability and at least a, a, an opportunity to do what you're doing today. Uh, well, I, I think that stretching people is always a challenge, but uh, and culture sometimes. Well, actually, culture eats strategy, as you know, as you know, and your title is a riff on that quote. Um, but it's the C-level executive's job to change the culture. That's our job. Our job is to come in and start to address culture. In fact, I was just talking this with my staff because what we need to do in the next year is going to require. Uh, uh, higher level of performance from IT, uh, and that means individual, meaning we now have to stretch ourselves. And the metaphor I like to use, I hate to use a sports metaphor, but I'll use it. We've got a great basketball team here and a great coach, John Calipari. John Calipari sets the expectation for players coming in, you will play defense. You will stretch yourself on defense more than any other part of your game. And he builds it into the culture, he builds it into the recruitment process, he builds it into the reward system that he puts in place every day. And so players leave knowing uh, that they are good in defense now. And I just had conversation with, with some of my staff on this. I said that when organizations undergo transformation, transformation does become personal, which means now some of us, all of us have to stretch. All of, not all of us will be able to do that to the same degree. There is a variability in people to endure risk, take, take risk, and grow themselves. Uh, but I think the challenge is on for workers everywhere to to be good at that uh, because our organizations need more of that. And so I think that's an ongoing uh, uh, thing we do. When, in the work that I do in IT, I preach that message since I got here and continue to do so all the time. I don't apologize for it. I set the expectation high. And then we help and we coach the players on our team who are having – 
some difficulty with that. And I think, you know, nine out of ten times you can successfully coach people through that. Now, with that said, Jerry, do you think while while it's a great thing where we can change a culture, and I'm, I'm assuming wins what you just mentioned about changing culture is within the IT department. So, Jerry, coming back to you, do you think you can change culture only in IT department to get the end success, whereas you need to also change things in the business area where you only have an influence and not a control? You do not have a direct power to change them. Right. So, yeah, I, I was listening to what Vince was saying and what was going through my mind is, okay, so I, I understand how you do that in the IT organization, but how do I get other C-level executives and the, and the organization as a whole to also change as well? Um, because you're right, it's it's all about influence. Um, and, you know, I, I know that there's been all kinds of plays on CIO. Uh, one of them is chief innovation officer. Um, I, I think my role probably these days is more of chief um, influencing officer. And for somebody who who has traditionally been command and control over an IT organization, very driven, pushing like uh, like Vince has suggested, and and high performance within the IT organization, when when suddenly you're in a role where where you're influencing and trying to change the direction of and and the thought process of your C-level peers. It becomes extremely frustrating and slow, uh, tedious process. Um, the, the rewards come slowly. You, you know, you you sit back and look at, okay, what happened over the last two years, and you look at the checklist of things you set out to do, and, and suddenly you go, oh, look at that. Uh, there, there's been a lot of successes in making those changes occur. It's just a long, very slow process, uh, and it's and it's one of repeated meetings, conversations. Um, I, I, a favorite phrase of mine is that people never rent, uh, wash a rental car. And the reason why is because they don't own it. Uh, so the, the real key here is to get your peer executives who then can deal with the culture within their own organizations to have ownership in what it is that you're trying to achieve. And a lot of that just is communicating over and over and over again what you're trying to, to accomplish and showing small examples. So you, so there are things that perhaps you can do inside of your own organization that will shine uh, and that your peers will say, gee, how did you do that? Well, you know, this is what I did. And you start influencing the organization that way. Yeah, so, and I, th- I think Jerry's got some excellent points there and is right on target. Uh, it is hard uh, outside. The best thing that can happen to us as a CEO or president comes in with very high expectations for all. And then you become an asset to that person as they try to change the culture across the organization. So I think the CIOs have to address their bosses, help them, you know, help the bosses out. And then what we do here is we have a leadership development program within IT, but we invite members from other groups to come in to participate as well as speak. And so we begin a dialogue around performance and culture at that level, kind of light, but at least now my peers across the university kind of understand more of what we're about and what we're doing. And so you can affect the culture that way as well. It's very indirect and it's slower, no question. And here in university, sometimes I can go to Alaska and watch glaciers flow faster. Now, Vince, question for you. So, And maybe for both of you, you can answer independently. 
Suppose I'm a business owner and, of course, you work for a business or whatever organization. In my mind, I feel lucky that I found Taipei's like Jerry and Vince as my uh, CIOs. But I cannot bank on these two individuals alone to run my organization or the fate of my organization. What if these guys win a lottery or in a morbid thought run over by a truck? What do I do then? So what is it that you do to assure that business leader at the top that if you want to grow incrementally and or move at the speed of uh, light when, you, when it comes to innovation, you're not just one person on, on whose shoulder this whole thing is being carried? How do you distribute the load so that if whatever happens to you, the business moves on, it doesn't lose, it loses momentum? So, well, so I'll okay, jump Jerry. into that. And, you know, okay. and certainly I think one of the expectations of every executive is that they have a succession plan in mind. Um, now, I happen to be counting the days down to retirement, so um, I have hired my successor. I am I'm, uh, mentoring my successor. Uh, but even before that, I had two individuals who were in my success and succession plan and was cultivating their um, their attitudes, their behaviors, their um, the way that they worked, um, so that uh, in essence, looking to leave a legacy. Now, the the real advantage of that is that also frees you up to do other things. Um, so. Um, in my case, the successor I hired is my enterprise architect. So a lot of the things that I, were do, I was doing previously in terms of facilitating architecture sessions and, and leading architecture and the like, I've now been able to shed off to somebody else um, and, and free me up to do some other things that I was interested in doing before I, I come to the end of my career. So that's been very beneficial. And, and I, again, I think it's uh, it's ultimately um, developing your immediate direct reports who have got the same attitudes and drive that you do, uh, and it's beneficial both to the business in the long term and to yourself personally. Yeah, and uh, the only thing I'll add to that is is we're we're you know three years into an IT service management ITIL transformation adoption, but we've been really pushing autonomy down to the front line management in our organization. And then redescribing the senior manager role to be less of a positional domain expert and more of a facilitative coach performance enhancement person. So when you do that as well, the lower levels start to contribute more and pull more weight. And kind of in a, in a, in a funny way, it's trying to get the frontline management immune to vagaries of the senior management pool. Uh, and so that's not necessarily a bad thing either, and that also helps in succession planning. It gives you lots of options to pick from in terms of, of who you're going to pick uh, to help with the succession planning process. Now, both of you interpreted my question as a succession planning question. How about looking at it another way? We are talking about, say, your first-level lieutenants, but if you go two or three you know, levels down, the same people also need to have the same type of influence and or leadership style and or the intent so that they carry the message all the way to the front line since they are be, they are directly connected to them. So is, is your effort to build a leadership and or to change the mindset for you to become the innovators, is it only two level down? Or if you're going to go all the way along the chain of command, what's that different thing that you would do besides, you know, the two levels at the top? Uh, I'll, t I'll take the first stab. Um, 
first of all, you have to understand in any workforce, not everybody is the great communicator. So, and you have to put the communication responsibility in a set number of positions and roles. So we're defining frontline management as a key component of successful frontline management is what we call nearest neighbor communication, meaning next level down, next level up, and peers inside and outside of IT. Senior manager role has a key component of lots of sideways communication across the enterprise. So we entrust the communication to you know, probably 20% of the organization overall, maybe 30%, uh, as primary responsibility for communication. Uh, that way I don't overtax people who are poor communicators with trying to communicate. Uh, so that's, I think you've got to figure out you know, what's the communication skill you want and then who are the people you entrust with it. And now it's making sure that you can drop levels down and you can span laterally across the enterprise with reasonable reliability uh, with messages uh, that you need to give. Uh, so that's, that's another approach that I take to that puzzle. So, Let's so take a quick. I like Vince's. Yeah, so hold, hold your thought, guys. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back and continue this conversation. This is getting interesting. Please stay tuned, listeners. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit HP.com for answers. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at HP.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Jerry, I stole almost all your thunder. Please continue. Oh, yeah. So I was, I was just going to add to what Vince was saying. I, I agree that there are uh, just a subset of the folks who have got the capability to be very effective communicators. But at the same time, I think everybody in the staff needs to at least have the elevator speech, uh, and, and they need to be able to – I mean, it's, it's really part of that culture change, right, getting them to understand a culture uh, so they can at least um, articulate what they believe the values of the organization is and where your strategic direction is. And, and part of that is just repeating the message over and over again and finding creative ways of rewarding and recognizing when people exhibit the behaviors that you're looking for. Now, one of the things which has been uh, suggested as a way to you know, groom the organization, not an individual, is to give everybody meaningful work. 
which is basically not because you thought it is the best thing for that individual, but something that person inherently has a capability for and loves doing. How difficult does it get when you got a corporate directive to change yourself and get profitability like never before and also have the workers in, you know, to give meaningful work to that individual so that that person is inherently happy and thus produce good results? Jerry. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a tricky question. I guess there's, uh, there's two parts of it. One is, um, you know, matching people to the work that needs to be done. So, you know, if you have a terrible mismatch, if you have somebody who's, uh, who really is a software developer and you're asking them to, to answer the phone at the help desk, it's probably not a good idea. If you have somebody who's outgoing and, and friendly and likes helping people, well, that's the, the people you match up to that help desk. So part of it's the, the selection of folks. Part of it's uh, growing them into the right position uh, once they're here. Um, I, I, yeah, I guess that's the, the, the key point. Yeah, Vince, you I mean, want to try it? Yeah, what I, you know, I, I'm going to f- flip your question to deal with the demands that we have. Unless we have alignment of the person's passion with the mission, we're in trouble. And so, I actually start things here with uh, with employees with a, we call it a learning plan. Each 100% of IT, every employee is responsible for producing a learning plan. I figure training is what dogs do. Learning is what humans do, so we want to figure out what the person wants to learn. That learn is rooted in their passion. So we have a process for what we call passion elicitation. How is it that frontline managers and senior managers uh, can elicit that employee's passion? Sometimes it's hard, especially with uh, younger entry-level employees, but in many cases it is not. Our goal, though, is to get an understanding of that employee's passion and now start to gauge that passion against their real skill level and then against what we need to have done, and, and I think just like Jerry said, now work that alignment. Uh, a lot of times, though, in IT, we're, we're afraid to get into a deeper conversation about what you're passionate about. And some employees are afraid to say because they think it might compromise their employability at the organization. Uh, my job is to try to get everybody to don't worry about that. You know, I will reward people who can really step forward and say, I am passionate about this topic. I want to learn it. And we'll find a way to make that happen if we can. And that, you know, like I said, nine times out of ten, we can do that within a within a one-year time frame. Uh, this really rewards the most passionate folks. And if I can get as much of the organization doing that as possible, that's great. The reality is, if you run a large enough organization, you'll have enough people who uh, don't have that heightened sense of passion. But again, no. I don't back down from the conversation with them. I keep the conversation going. Now, with that said, it is a good segue for uh, the next question, which is, what's in it for you? So, when suppose you are out there, and yes, you would like to do things strategically and perhaps be given a little more time. And yes, for some time, that fast pace helps you, but after some time, that also could become a roadblock. You are also a worker. While you might be leader and owning the title of a CIO, but you're still a worker, so executive management has to look at you and say, is this person's uh, you know, interest and the kind of work that I'm giving this his or uh, this person is that aligned? So, so is that happening? Is that executive management thinking, or they're just saying you got you you uh, you CIOs are Hercules who could take on anything and and pull it off? Well, at, at the C level, you, you have to be very self-directed, right? So you yourself have to know why you're there, what you're doing. 
And then you yourself take it as your responsibility to educate your boss and your other bosses about what it is you're capable of and engage them in the conversation. And so it's not so much the the other senior execs above you, you know, doting on you. It's you really informing them and giving them tools to help accomplish their goal. And so I take responsibility for 100% of alignment on me. And so I engage my bosses in a conversation. Here's what I'm about. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I think there's alignment with what you need. And if I want to grow in a particular area, I have that conversation. Now, with all the – Jerry, this is for you. When we fight fires, especially when you're moving this fast, there will be some mistakes, some mess-ups would happen, and you're dealing with them, and sometimes you have to literally roll up your sleeves, not exactly tinker with the boxes, but come close to it in terms of getting things solved because your neck is on the line. With all that happening, it is deja vu for you because you've been doing it forever. Is that the best way you could have spent your time, and is that not demotivating for you? I, I don't particularly find that demotivating. As I, as I mentioned earliest on here, um, you know, strategy is not a full-time job. Um, it, it's part of the job. It's not a full-time job. But ultimately, yeah, you are. You're, you're on the hot seat. You do have a wealth of experience. You, you got to where you are because, in fact, you have been a problem solver and successful in that. Uh, I, I frankly find it very rewarding to uh, the pulled in to help um, solve those kinds of problems um, for two reasons. One is it's at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're hot and you're sweaty and your sleeves are rolled up and, and, uh, and you go, gee, that was a, that was a great day, um, sliding in the home plate. Um, but the other part is it gives you an opportunity then to mentor and develop the other staff who, uh, who will be able to solve those problems on their own in the future. So, Vince, uh, if you were to draw a parallel, um, we have not been running as fast earlier, and we were shown, and maybe by experience, we learned how to build, say, a go-kart stadium. And now we have been told to go to build a Grand Prix stadium, and there have not been enough time. And there is some learning needed. So do you think you as CIO and others in your position in other companies could definitely use some external help who have had experience building Grand Prix stadiums? Well, if you don't have the absolutely, if you don't have the experience, you have to go find it, and that's one of the first things you do as CIO. Where, what don't we know, right? What, what are the skills we don't know? The skills we don't have, uh, and so now I was a former consultant, so I, I know how the how, how the enemy thinks. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm not eager necessarily to go out to consultants excessively, but absolutely, where there's a key skill that you need to learn, you, you can go to some experts, bring it in. The first thing I tell the experts, though, is you're going to teach my staff. The first thing I tell my staff is you're going to learn, and we're not going to become overly dependent uh, on these folks. Uh, and from time to time, I do that, absolutely. Now, would you do it as more at a functional expertise or a technical expertise level or somebody as someone uh, or a group of people who come and say, we traditionally as an organization used to move at 10 miles an hour, and now we have to move at 50. So... Maybe well, yeah. as at a leadership level, you can kind of come up with a few ways, innovative ways, but what would you do? I mean, what, what, what would be your next steps be? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not quite sure I got the question right, but um, I, I would use an expert kind of at any level. However, when it comes to diagnosing organizational problems, an expert coming in can certainly help. But sooner or later, the organization has to diagnose its own problems, and it has to be good at that. Strategy is easy, execution is hard. 
organizational problems prevent strategy execution. And so, yeah, you do need an expert, but you also need to get the organization to detect its own error and adjust it. So I'm a little less likely to have uh, long-tenured consultants in telling me what I'm doing wrong. Uh, I'm much more interested in the experts coming in and extracting knowledge from them that they have that will be beneficial to us. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd add on to, to what Vince was saying, and, and we've taken the same approach. And, and as a, a very recent example, we launched a Lean IT uh, initiative here. So we didn't bring in consultant to, to do the analysis for Lean IT. We brought in the consultant to teach a team of three or four folks that I have the, the techniques and the processes that we can use to do our own analysis and understanding where we've got fat, where we can uh, improve our own processes. So I'm I'm 100% with Vince. Bring in ex external expertise, but bring them in to uh, help you learn and empower yourselves to do those jobs. So Vince, I was referring to the agility or the acceleration of an organization. Do you think you can, while you may not have run uh, at, at that speed earlier, but now that you've been given a directive to run faster, would you need a coach as an individual or a coach for the whole group for them to learn how to run faster than they've ever been running and that to three to four times faster? Yeah, if, if you're a CIO and you don't have that knowledge, then you go get it. If you don't have the skill, you go get it. Now, I, I come in running fast right away, so I kind of run faster than anybody. My view is if I'm running faster than anybody, the bear will eat somebody else. So out of <laughs> sheer fear alone, you learn to run fast. And I had been in my own business so I, and, and as a small business owner in the past, so that's kind of built in, and a lot of CIOs or, or many of us are like that. Uh, but absolutely, if you don't have the skill to know how to get agility, you've got to go find that skill to help with you. Sooner or later, though, you're going to run into um, your own personal transformation and organizational dynamic dimension for which an expert can help somewhat. But sooner or later, you have got to take full responsibility for it. So, Jerry, in your view, what's, uh, what is the true definition or your version of the definition of business or IT agility? What are we after? Um, well, I, I think it's two things. One is, you know, the, the, the business itself needs to be able to adjust to the, the, the changing business climate. So the economy, um, the, uh, the, the change in, uh, your customer set, uh, you know, we, we happen to be a, a, a federal research laboratory. So one of the things that we look for is having the, capabilities in the culture to respond to uh, new national demands. So, for example, following the 9-11 terrorist attacks, um, the next day we had teams of researchers from different dis disciplines in a room who were, who were looking at what kinds of solutions, suggestions can we bring to bear to protect American citizens. Um, so we had built in to the business the agility to respond to changing national needs, whether it is the, the terrorist attacks or an environmental problem or an energy problem, um, you know, that's just inherent in the way we do business. By the same time, uh, our IT organization needs to be, res be responsive and agile to the business's needs too. So if we make a 180 degree change from we're focused today on uh, renewable energy to we're focused tomorrow on uh, uh, preventing acts of terrorism, uh, how IT supports the business in doing that also needs to change very rapidly as well. 
Um, so that that's what agility means uh, in our particular business, responding to the change in the business needs and IT responding to the change in how the business needs to react to the, to, to the business needs. Now, let's take a quick break. Listeners, we'll be right back. And once we, once when we come back, a question will be said, yes, you, you want to make the business in IT agile, and that may be the directive. But results and the numbers talk. And suppose you had a 100% bonus as a carrot dangling on the other side if you made it uh, agile. Then what is that quantitative aspect of your benchmarks that you're going to be establishing or you should be establishing for uh, the rest of the organization to see that this is the goal? Or can we realistically even do that, given that we don't know where we want to get to? It is just that we have to run faster. We'll explore this when we come back. Please stay tuned. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an Instant On world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So results and numbers. If you had to, Vince, go out and set up a benchmark and show it to the world that this is where we're going to go, what's your basis? What can you even do to set something up which could be shown quantitatively? Correct. And, and we're talking a little bit about agility, too. And, I'm, you know, I'm going to assume that I define agility as the ability for the organization to maneuver within the time frames that the environmental conditions require. And that usually represents uh, some key metric for the organization, such as improved profitability, improved market share, a couple of metrics. And so at the top level, you've got to understand what's the top metrics that the organization is chasing. And then uh, from there, IT has to contribute. Now, this is where it gets interesting. If this is a team game, it's hard to give 100% ownership to a, a corporate strategy goal to one person. In addition, you need to be a team player. I'm struck by uh, a hockey coach I know who uh, was sitting next to a, a, an NHL hockey scout. And the coach asked this NHL scout, what type of player are you recruiting for the NHL? And the scout goes, well, there's a lot of players who can skate the puck real well, shoot well as individual players, but I'm looking for the player that when they set foot on the ice, the other five guys on the ice are now better. 
it's hard to put a number on that skill and assign it specifically to that player. So I'm a fan of shared metrics, shared rewards at the executive level. Yes, there's an individual accountability approach, but the key number, the key metric that matters for strategy is the organizational one. Everybody contributes to it, and everybody should be motivated to collaborate with each other and make each other better as they as they hit that measure. So, Jerry, in your world, when you had to really tell the rest of the world, since so you mentioned that you will be moving on uh, with bigger and better life ahead of you, uh, what's your message for the rest of them? Do you think they have the metal or perhaps you've uh, groomed them, but then are they, are they getting the message where they would bring agility and, and uh, speed to the organization? Um. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think, um, you know, I've been in this role, well, as the CIO for eight years and in other IT leadership positions uh, for much longer than that. Um, and so it's been a long career in process of, I hate to use the term legacy, but building a legacy in the IT organization here and a, and a culture in the org- IT organization here so that it, it does continue down the, the path that you are. Um, you, you know, I think the whole thing with, uh, with agility um, is that really your strategy, the business strategy and the IT strategy after that, um, needs to recognize agility as being a mandate in, uh, for survival in today's business, and it needs to include those. And if you uh, abide by what I was saying earlier, that strategy is something that, that is enduring and lasts for many years, that, that you've set the ball in motion and it's going to keep on going that direction. Vince, do you think you can make things faster and better at the same time with many other directives already on the plate? Um, yes, I think you can. I mean, there's, I think there's, anytime you put a limit on yourself, you're going to find a way to exceed it. So why put limits on yourself? Uh, now, I, w- I will say that correct thought, and I like that Jerry mentioned enterprise architecture because I think it's a critical component of correct thought. Uh, you can engineer agility, and you can engineer quality, and you can do so over a longer period of time. It doesn't all have to be breakneck speed. You're just figuring out which elements are enduring that you're going to rely on for flexibility and agility down the road. And when I see organizations that are having a hard time being agile, you typically see that their architectures were not coherent. They weren't engineered for agility in mind. They were done too quickly. And and now they're going slow. So the usual thought is, well, we had to move quickly to install those systems, but now we're going slow. My answer is you can't stop thinking. You've got to keep thinking how to improve the architecture for the long term and the short term. So I think you can engineer quality and you can engineer agility. In fact, you have to. You can't back your way into it. So with that said, uh, Jerry, do you think we should just go ahead and wear our helmets so that we don't get hurt when we are moving too fast and just go for that rush and in between once in a while do our whiteboarding so that we are we are satisfied that we did the strategic component of it as well? Is that how we should continue our journey? Well, you know, I don't want uh, I want my comment earlier about strategy doesn't need to be a continuous activity. Uh, strategy needs to be forefront on your mind. I think you set a direction 
you explain the direction, you set the forces in, in motion, and then it's your responsibility to come and course correct from time to time. So it's not um, fire them off and, uh, and you know put a helmet on them, fire them off in the cannon, and hope the cannon was pointed in the right direction and the wind doesn't blow. Um, it, it is pointing them in the right direction and then course correcting along the way. And the course corrections are both because of interpretation in the way people have read what you, um, you know, the direction that you set. In other words, they, they, they twisted the map a little bit or whatever, and they've gotten off direction. And sometimes it's simply because the roads have changed, and, and it's time for you to, to, to adjust the, the strategy and direction along. So I, I think it's a dynamic process. Um, and it's, it's not something you do every five years. It's also not something that you do every day. Um, it's a little bit of both. Vince, what are some of the top two to three things maximum you think people should watch out for as they're going about this journey to make the business an IT agile while thinking strategically? Well, the, what I've been focusing on a lot lately is this concept of personal transformation and when you want to improve, it, we tend to objectify it. We tend to think outside ourselves and think it's the tool or the thing, and it's not. It's really inside. And so uh, personal transformation is how, how do I go through personally as an IT worker or as a business worker or anybody, uh, my own challenges, get through them successfully, and then get on to the next challenge. And what support system do I have to support those those personal transformations? Because the personal transformations aren't all going to be pleasant. Some of them are going to be difficult for the folks. Once they get through it, uh, it, it can be looked back in a pleasurable way, but usually one goes through, when one goes through those transformations, it doesn't feel that way. And I always remind the folks from time to time there will be personal transformations and struggles here, and we've got to plan for that. So that would be the first thing is it is personal and it is emotional, so be ready for that. And then I'm going to go back to... You can't rush your way to speed. You have to sometimes, I don't want to use the term go a little slower, but you have to think. Uh, I got a niece who is a great softball player, and uh, the, the team, the U.S. Olympic team, would play Japan. And Japan had a very good pitcher, a very fast pitcher uh, years ago, and much faster than most of the other pitchers out there. And the better hitters would tell the younger hitters, if you want to hit a very fast pitch, Take a bit of a shorter swing and go slower. You'll hit the ball hard. And in other words, think and plan. And so uh, I think planning and strategy is still critical despite agility and maybe more critical. You have to hone your thinking even more. Uh, Jerry, 30 seconds. Do you have two or three words that come to mind which should be the quality of a leader who's going to make business in IT agile? Uh, I, th- I think it's somebody who is uh, um, process-minded uh, and that uh, that can be inspirational to uh, to folks in understanding what their what their vision is, what the direction is, and and can inspire them to um, to follow that path. Great. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Winston Jerry. It was a very interesting conversation, and we do see that the agility is going to be here to stay because the business wants it, business and IT, both components, and you as the CIOs definitely are on the hot seat. However, we cannot simply, the, the, the inference that we are drawing from this conversation is we simply cannot ignore the strategic component that we have to think strategically and execute immaculately. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you.
And uh, listeners, if you have any thoughts or comments, please send us to views at CIOtalkradio.com. That is views at CIOtalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services.